if you found us here, you're probably a little like me. You think it's time to rethink the way that we do business. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and this is the Client Experience Revolution. This podcast is for entrepreneurs and will give you all the tips, tricks, and tools that other badass business leaders are using to serve their community, their clients, while still taking care of themselves. So let's dive into this week's episode, have a little fun, and learn along the way too. This episode is brought to you by Link Consulting Solutions. Are you a badass entrepreneur looking to up-level your capacity, maybe supercharge your clarity and reconnect like a rock star? We'll head on over to linkcs.com to find out how we can accomplish this and more. We have virtual assistant matchmaking as well as clarity and client re-engagement consulting. That's L-I-N-Q-C-S.com. See you there. Hello, and welcome to the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I am your host, Raya Gonzalez, and I am graced today with Danielle Lynn Bloom. And we are here to talk about authenticity, especially in the workplace and in your business. Welcome, Danielle. Hello. hello. Tell us a little bit about your business, what you do, and how you serve people. I am, first of all, so freaking excited to be here. Oh, yay. Um, You and I have very similar energies and I cannot wait to see what kind of party we're going to have today. That's right. (laughs) Um, I'm Danielle Lindblom. I am a professional life coach and I live and work in Missoula, Montana. Um, Although my work is on Zoom these days. So all of my clients are other places in the world. It's the magic of the internet. I have clients everywhere. Um, I focus on authenticity like we mentioned before. Um, A lot of self-acceptance and self-trust. And I am a general life coach, which means I help all of the humans with all of the things. I love that. I love that. Then we met like most notably because we're in a group called the F-Bomb Breakfast Club together. And you had posted on an ask offer day, you had said, hey, anyone who's having a hard week, Um, I'm here, would love to give away a session. And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Um, I want to cry about all the things. So I set it up and I did, and it was the most beautiful experience. And then I've, since then I followed you on Facebook and I love your vulnerability. Um, it's just really inspirational to see somebody like myself. I, I also tend to be very vulnerable on my social media. Um, because why not? You know what I mean? We're like, why not? It's too boring and too exhausting to be fake. Um, but I, I just really enjoy your style. And I think, um, that the experience of working through that session with you was really impactful. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into that later, but I just wanted to say that I I know Danielle professionally through an organization, but I've also actually had the privilege of experiencing what it's like to work with Danielle when one is in what you call crisis. Um, Because I was just having a week. I was just having one of those just days where everything felt like it was on top of me and I couldn't crawl out. And it was so beautiful 
to be able to number one, just say it all out loud and let it just kind of like word vomit all the way out and then have somebody be able to slow me down and process what was coming out of my mouth. So, um, so yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for being on the show. I think, um, number one, being real in business is important, but this, this theme of authenticity, um, if you're not authentic, I think people can sniff it a mile away. And so you, you really do need to, um, you do need to show up as who you are, um, as a professional and as a human, you should do that anyways. So tell me a little bit about why authenticity is so important to you, how, um, how it's become what you've structured your business around. Do we want to wait for the sirens? No, go sirens be damned. No, you can control everything about your environment. And then (laughs) there's a fire truck. It's totally okay. That's how we roll here. We have barking dogs. We have sirens. We have kiddos. We're good. I suppose it's the podcast on authenticity. Yes. (laughs) What are you going to do? Um, I was going to ask, is language acceptable on your podcast? Oh, um, I fucking say the fuck word so many fucking (laughs) times. So yes. (laughs) didn't have many doubts, but that's a good clarification. So how authenticity became so important to me. um, I almost hate the word because it has been thrown around so much when people talk about social media, when people talk about business, when people talk about brand. And it's become like this highly pressurized, like thou shalt be authentic. And if you're not, you're doing it wrong. And, but like, how do I be authentic? And the catch 22 is as soon as you are trying to be authentic, you're inauthentic. So true. Because you're forcing it and you're pushing. And this became really important for me because I grew up in a family-owned business. Um, I grew up around work sites, construction sites. Um, I have an engineering degree. I worked in male-dominated industries almost my entire career. Or almost my entire life. And growing up that way really set the tone of just tell it how it is. Like there are no expectations. There's no corporate rule book. It's just you and your dad and some people at a job site getting shit done. And that's also just how I'm comfortable operating. So when I did the what I call the should life, And I got my engineering degree and I went into corporate America and I got the good job and I climbed the ladder and I got the leadership position. I struggled so hard. And I've later come to learn that I have an anxiety disorder. Um, I'm recently diagnosed with a depressive disorder. And I struggled for years in corporate with anxiety, not knowing that's what I was experiencing. Um, But also just learning how to say things the right way, learning how ridiculously important perception is in that environment. I fell down so many times. I got in trouble with my boss so many times and I was trying really, really hard. I was trying my damnedest to figure out how to be in this environment, how to succeed in this environment. And it, I basically reshaped myself I was like, all right, this is the form that works here. So I will just 
take on that identity. I will just put myself into that box, into that form, and then I won't get in trouble. It was exhausting and it was miserable. And I got very good at it. (laughs) When I got laid off after having severe panic attacks at work, um, I think I, I was part of a benevolent layoff. There were only about three of us in that round. And I had communicated to a couple people in leadership that I was struggling. Um, so I don't know that it was entirely coincidental uh, that I was in that round. It was a huge relief. It was, you know, that blessing in disguise. But for me, it was really the kick in the pants that I needed from the universe because I had been wanting to transition into my dog training business, which is the business I ran before I became a full-time life coach. And I would have stood on that ledge without leaping for a long time. So it was kind of the push out the door that I needed to get out of there. And really since then, when I've had this new permission of you can be whatever you can, whatever you want to be now, you can do whatever you want to do now. You don't have to go back. You don't have to be in the box. You don't have to say things the right way. You don't have to follow someone else's script. It was liberating. And that's a long story, but that's all to really communicate why authenticity is so important to me now because it's the ultimate freedom. Like I get to literally be myself all the time. And as a life coach and before this as a consultant, that's what people were hiring. That's what people were buying. They wanted all of me, not just my knowledge and my expertise, but my personality and my thoughts and the way that I show up and my energy. That's what people really want now. Yeah, I all of the above. Everything, yes. Words. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I I just was really relating to um, the the should life that you were talking about because... I also had a should life where I um, wanted to, I worked in healthcare for 20 years. I wanted to manage a big practice. I wanted to have the fancy office. I wanted, you know, the corner office, all the titles, all of that crap. And I got there and I was like, this is awful. Like I actually hate all of it and myself and the person I work for and the people who come in here. And, you know, I, I just felt, um, ripped off. And I also felt trapped because I felt like I couldn't, like, this is what I'm supposed to want. This is what I'm supposed to, um, be. And I've worked so hard to get to this place. So then now what, and everything, every alternative felt like a failure, you know, life of course took its twists and turns. And, um, I, I found myself trying to branch out in authenticity a little bit. I mean, I've always been a very boisterous person and, um, but then I would have some failure or some failure to assimilate into an environment. And then I would feel like I just automatically internalized it. Like it was not that, um, not that that environment wasn't good for me. It was that I didn't fit into that environment. And, um, and so then there would be like a little 
piece of me would die, die, you know, about that. Um, this journey of becoming a business owner has been so interesting because it started with an implosion of identity crisis because I was fired um, and became a business owner because I had a couple clients I'd been working on the side basically as a consultant, admin consultant. And, um, and I felt like who gets fired when they're 40? And I kept saying I was unemployed, but I had clients. So my counselor said I was self-employed. So she's pretty smart. She had degrees. So, um, but it was this, like, I just didn't know who I was and how to show up. And then I was afraid to be me because the me, when I was me got rejected, and so I, so then I just didn't even know how to be. And what I've, what has happened is I've just shed layer after layer after layer. And just like, it's just like a fuck you after a fuck you after a fuck you, because it's just like, who cares? All right. So what? I'm going to say the word fired, 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 fired so many times until it has no more power over me. You know, I'm going to, um, start a podcast. Who wants to hear what I have to say? You know, maybe no one going to do a podcast anyways. You know what I mean? Like all of these things where you, um, you have to force yourself a little bit to, um, to express what's inside because sometimes you don't even know what's inside until you just start let, letting the valve off a little bit and seeing what comes out. I love um, kind of buried within there is a thought that's coming up for me too around authenticity. I've always been me. You've always been you. Yes. And then we tried to smoosh ourselves into boxes and look like something different. And when the box went away, like we didn't have to try to be authentic. It's not something that you aspire to do. It's just removing Yes. Lim- limitations that you've put on yourself or maybe other people or society have put on you, but just allowing yourself to be what you've always been. It's not a, it's not an effort. It's the absence of effort. Agreed. Agreed. And that's how it feels. It really does feel like a snake shedding its skin. Like that's how it feels for me. And it's a continual process because just when I think, I mean, I never think I'm done, but just when I think like, wow, like something really big is, you know, I've really experienced change or, you know, something along that lines and something else will come along. And I'm like, oh, actually, whoa, something really big here. You know what I mean? And you discover new layers of authenticity within yourself, new layers of who you are. And you shed another layer and it's just discovering that inner you of who you are um, and letting that happen. And it is a, it is a process of letting it happen. Cause like you were saying it, the minute you try, you're no longer authentic. You have to allow it to happen. Yeah. What this work looks like for me to myself or with myself and also the work that I do with my clients, we always start with self-acceptance. And that's really taking a look at all of the pieces of you. Like we are human beings, we are designed to feel and we are designed to feel all of the human emotions. Um, There is not this great journey to get to good all the time. 
It's like, we are meant to be sad. We are meant to be angry. We are meant to be devastated. We are meant to be happy. We are meant to be ecstatic, all of the things. So learning like for me to accept the depression, learning to accept the anxiety, learning to accept um, these sensations in my body, not only the emotions, but what I'm passionate about, what I like, what I don't like, you know, accepting all of these pieces of myself, that's work that doesn't really have an end date, Mm -hmm. but it's the crucial first step towards authenticity because you have to know thyself before you can then vulnerably put that out into the world for other people to see. I have a question for you because I know that um, you have stated and and you do have a great passion for helping other um, neurodivergent entrepreneurs with their businesses and supporting their mental health. But how do you see that showing up for, and I count myself in there too, as neurodivergent. Um, how do you see that showing up for us specifically um, when we're in business, you know, how, um, what are some of the things that we have to do that may be different or that may show up differently for us than other people, just so that other people who aren't neurodivergent can have a little window in. I love that because like you can never fully understand someone else's lived experience, whether or not they have mental health issues, whether or not they have physical health issues. Um, everyone has their own human experience, but I love the idea of kind of bringing some context to what is it like to have anxiety when you don't have anxiety? What is it like to describe depression when you don't have depression or ADHD? And really it's, it's sort of one more, one more built in obstacle that you were not given a manual for. And that is going to show up in many of the things that you do as a human being, whether it's in business or not. But where it comes into play in business is that we as neurodivergent humans have a more difficult time fitting ourselves into formulas and templates for business. Um, If you go on the internet, there's a billion people teaching you how to start a business, how to run a business, how to do marketing, how to do all of the things. And what's important to know, whether you're neurodivergent or not, is that those strategies work for those people. And as a business owner, whether you are a solopreneur or you have multiple people working for you, it will always come down to figuring out what works best for you, for the mission you're on, the reason why you started the business in the first place, for the type of service or product you provide, for the way that you want to conduct your business. For all of that, you have to figure out what works well for you. And when I work with entrepreneurs who are neurodivergent, we just take that one level deeper and we assimilate health into that equation. And I feel like whether you're neurodivergent or not, incorporating health into the structure of your business is valuable for every human being out there, for every entrepreneur out there. Um, I think that we can do a lot better job when you talk about how hard it is to be an entrepreneur in the first place and the stress and the burnout and everything that's involved with just getting a business off the ground and then maintaining it, we should be integrating health into the structure of our business from the beginning. Yes. 
I think that's so true. I think, I think from my perspective too, there are some things that, you know, everybody is different. You know, everybody handles things differently. Um, I can tend to have my days, some days I'm really good. Um, and some days I can get very easily overwhelmed. Um, and so if I do get easily overwhelmed, I literally, um, have like a sensory overload. And so, um, the best way that I can say it is I just can't like, I can't look at it, hear it, see it, nothing. I have to get horizontal. I need to like pull a blankie up. I can't, I can't. And it doesn't mean that I'm like out for the count or anything like that, but like, give me five minutes, like where I can just close my eyes and like not have all of the, all of it, because in that moment, I just can't. Um, and I've, I've seen it too. When you were talking about your business, the business plans and stuff, I'm right now I'm working with, I'm working with a marketing branding and SEO specialist. And she put together a very beautiful 12 month marketing plan. Awesome. Amazeballs. I'm super excited about it. Looked at it, wanted to vomit because I was like, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know, like, can my team do that? Like, how much of that do I have to do? Can I do that? Like, am I capable of doing that? Like I, it, that, these are the things that run through my brain. Is it going to work out? Yes, it's going to work out. Is it going to look exactly like that? I don't know. But I, but the one thing I knew enough about myself because it was, it was a, a lengthy presentation is I said to her and I paid her, you know, like I, I paid her enough as a consultant where I could do this, where I said, um, I'm going to need you to give that presentation to my team. I'm not giving that presentation to my team. And she's like, okay, no problem. I, I got it. And I was like, great. Cause they're probably going to have questions. I can't answer them because I have questions and I can't answer them, you know? And then I want, you know, then I said, I'm going to lean on you to see, like, feel it out. Like who can do what, like, you know, like see what the response of the team is because there's a lot of newness to what she's wanting us to do. And I sometimes can be too sensitive and I sometimes can um, be a little too nice. Like I don't want to impose on anyone, even though they work for me. So, um, so she can brainstorm with them and get them pumped and excited about all the new stuff and then come back and be like, okay, so-and-so is really pumped about this and not whatever. Um, but yeah, it's just that that's what that experience is like for me. I see like somebody sees a content calendar or a 12 month marketing plan and they're all jazzed and excited. And I see that. And I literally want to, I, I feel sick to my stomach because all I can think of is I'm not going to be able to do all that. I don't have to do all that. I have a team, but that's not what my brain tells me. My brain tells me you have to do all that and you have to do it exactly that way because that's the right way. And it's not the right way. It's the way that somebody recommends for me. The right way is the way that is authentic for me. And so it will work itself out. But I just thought it was an important and poignant place to pause and say, if you know you are neuro, neuro, neurodivergent, everybody is different. That's what literally what that means. But um, you can find the things. I mean, when I worked in corporate America, I took more bathroom breaks than other people. 
because I could go in the bathroom stall and I could close my eyes and I could breathe for a few minutes. You know what I mean? Like there are ways that you can find what you, and it wasn't a panic for me. It wasn't a panic attack. It was like, I, this is just, I just like, just need a minute. I can't, you know what I mean? Like I just need to calm my system for a moment. And I'm a very successful, very well-functioning businesswoman, but I have a fuzzy blanket. So suck it people. You know what I mean? Like whatever, like that, this is the, one of the perks of working from home is that if you, if you have an afternoon free, you can take a nap. You know what I mean? Like you can do whatever you need to do to take care of your body, your health, your psyche. Um, and sometimes that means going hard today is a going hard kind of day. You know, I've been up since five o'clock this morning. I'll be going to bed probably about 10, 11 PM. Can I do that every day? Absolutely not. Um, will I be a hurting unit tomorrow? Probably, but it's okay because I plan for it. I knew it was coming and I have contingency plans in place to be able to, um, to do that. And so it's just, I just thought it was interesting. I wanted to get your opinion. And I know that you work with helping business owners love themselves a little bit more. I mean, the thing is, is it's not all doom and gloom. Being neurodivergent is actually fucking rad. Like, I, I think if, especially if you can embrace the authenticity portion of it, I mean, we're different. We don't have to fit the mold. We don't have the pressure to fit the mold. You know what I mean? Like it, we can be who we are and celebrate and love who we are. Yes. There are some things that are hard, but they're it's also pretty fucking rad. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I would love to kind of expand that for people who are not neurodivergent, like we are not delicate flowers. We are not, you know, capable of less than other people. We just have to understand our body and how our body functions. And when we provide it the thing that it needs and take care of it, like we can accomplish incredible things. And everything that could be viewed as a weakness is also secretly a superpower. You know, I'm incredibly sensitive. I'm a highly sensitive person, um, vaguely empathic. I have anxiety and and depression. To someone that might seem like a list of weaknesses. And to me, those things have created this person who is incredibly self-aware, who is very in tune with her body. And who can detect intuitively things in my life coaching clients. Like this becomes very much a superpower in my chosen profession. That I can see the things that they can't. I can feel the things that they're not able to access. And I can help them with that. So yeah, I would say, you know, all the things, it it goes the same for you. That the things that you're accommodating in one area are huge strengths in other areas. A hundred percent. And that goes in a variety of industries too. I mean, all of the things that you mentioned that um, are a huge boon for you as a life coach, for me as a consultant, as a VA matchmaker, I mean, I'm drawing out information from people that they don't even know that they want I'm I'm able to intuitively ask them questions and get to the root of what it is that they want so that they can have a better 
match with their virtual assistant because I have these abilities. I'm also able from the consulting side to see businesses from a different perspective. It's like I can turn it on its side and see it from a different perspective. And they can just see the desktop and I can see it on its side. And I can see like all different parts of what could go there and different avenues. And so that's why I say it's rad. We're not, and we're, we're right. We're not delicate. We just operate a little differently. That's it. You know what I mean? And so, um, and a lot of times you don't even know, you know what I mean? Like sometimes you, people don't even know that that's going on or, you know, or, you know, like when I, I was diagnosed with ADHD as an adult and then, you know, like my husband was like, is that's why you lose the keys all the time? That's why you've lost seven debit cards. I'm like, yeah, that's why. Apparently that's a thing, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> there's a medication for that, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's just really interesting to, um, for me, that diagnosis was very validating. I didn't feel any shame whatsoever. And I just felt like, oh, okay, that's why. And then it was like all about like, how do I incorporate that? in my life in a way that makes me feel good and makes me operate better and more function in a, in a higher level. Um, and that's been really, really good. And so I think I just wanted to, you know, I think it's important for people to see that there, and that's just two people's experiences. There are millions of people who have all different experiences and even people who are neurotypical they also process their emotions and their feelings differently. You know what I mean? So it's it's just, that's why I love when you say that you're a general life coach, like for humans, because everybody needs a life coach. Everybody has stuff going on. Everybody has, um, you know, areas where they feel like they can't be themselves. And so it's, it's a good to have a safe landing place to do that. It's awesome when they can be themselves everywhere and, or generally everywhere, but if they can't be themselves everywhere, it's good to have a safe place to land. Yeah. And part of the work that I do, I run these events called vulnerability circles and in those containers, in those rooms, I'm communicating to people, you're always in control of that dial. Like the goal is not to be vulnerable at a 10 every single place that you go, right? But the goal is to understand that you have control of the dial and you get to choose how much of myself do I want to show in this arena? How much of myself do I want to share in which pieces, you know, with this person, with that person, in this room, in that room, in this environment, that environment. And when you have that self-awareness of like, checking in with yourself, what feels comfortable for me here? And then having your own back, regardless of your actions and what you share, that really leads to peace of mind. Absolutely. And that's being authentic with yourself. Yeah. I would say being authentic with yourself is controlling your level of authenticity out in the world. It is. Yeah. Talk to me about what the concept of emotional sufficiency is. 
I love this so much. Um, I asked Raya to ask me this question, and I know that those two words together aren't going to make a lick of sense to anybody listening to this. It's about to, though. It's about to. I'm so passionate about this. Um, I'm actually going to be running a workshop. Someone asked me to do this from our wonderful F-bomb group, and now I'm in the process of putting it together. So... Emotional sufficiency, in my words, is allowing other people to have their own experience without making that mean anything about you. So if I have sufficiency for other people, I'm going to let them have whatever their reaction is, whatever their response is, whatever their experience is, and have that be okay. Like, it's okay that this person didn't respond to my email in two days. It's okay that someone left a negative comment on my post. It's okay that my family member is really upset right now. And like they get to be upset. That's okay. I don't need to change anything about their experience. And I don't need to make stories about what these neutral circumstances mean about me. How do you build that skill? Because that seems like a, like a muscle that you have to kind of build a little bit because your gut reaction is going to kick back. So how do you build that? First of all, I want to advocate for why people should learn this because this has been a freaking superpower for me once I learned how to do it, both in my business and my professional life. So how one goes about this, we really want to learn and develop the skill in neutral scenarios before we try to implement it in high stress Hmm. scenarios. So that's the first thing I want to say, like to set you up for success if you try to if you try to do this for the first time when your adrenaline is high and you're having a fight or flight and you're in the middle of a story in your brain that's not going to be super useful it's going to help um but basically it comes down to choosing your thoughts what do i want to think about this and i have a personal example cuz i got yes. triggered last week <laughs> and when i say triggered i mean like i had a panic attack um, because I received a piece of paper in the mail. It's amazing. I love anxiety. It's so great. Piece of paper in the mail, right? Totally neutral. Um, it was from a dentist that I had seen here in Missoula. And it basically said in very fancy terms, um, we don't want to work with you anymore. And there was no explanation why, but me receiving this piece of paper, which my brain interpreted as someone is upset with you or someone doesn't like you or you did something wrong, just went into spinning and stories and freaking out, right? This harmless little piece of paper like ruined my evening. So what I did, I actually did this like on Facebook live because I'm that person. Mm -hmm. Like this is who I be. I want to share that stuff with people. Like, this is what it looks like when you're in the high stress scenario. I started choosing my thoughts. And this is to, A, it's great for people with anxiety, but it's great for anything. What do I want to think about this dentist office? What do I want to think about this letter? And that started creating emotional distance for me. So, for example, I said, I want to believe that they made the best decision for their business. I want to believe that they made the best decision for their team. I want to believe that nothing has gone wrong. Um, 
I want to believe that the people who work there are amazing human beings. And like, I have evidence for all of these things, right? Like I met them, they're good people. And I don't have to make this piece of paper mean all of these stories about me. So when I really started, like, I view emotional sufficiency as I'm giving it to the other person. Like, it's totally okay that you felt the need to send this letter. I can let you, I can let you have that, right? That's totally fine. Like, if that's the thing that you felt that you needed to do, that's fine. Like, I can, I can have sufficiency for you in doing that. It's almost like they, it's almost like you could say that they felt like they weren't enough. Like they weren't, and not, not enough is not the right word. I'm trying to say like the, that they weren't good enough to be your provider. You know what I mean? Or, not even though. Um, so I want to believe like they made the best decision they could. Right. Yeah. And that let's say worst case scenario, they were really upset with me. Like this might happen with a family member, right? Or someone on social media, like it's really angry at you. For me to say, it's totally okay for them to be angry. They get to have that for themselves. I don't need to change that for them to make myself feel better. I don't need them to change their experience for me to feel better. Yeah. That's a tough one. That's a good one, but it's a tough one. It's really tough. And I, man, this is becoming so hyper-relevant now with all of the discussions about everybody having differences of opinion on everything. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we get so heated is we make it mean something about us that someone else has a thought. This is a funny, uh, this, this brings up a funny story. Um, so I have somebody who uh, lives in a different state that I that I consider to be one of my best friends. We talk almost every single day. We've been talking almost every single day for a year. Like we immediately hit it off when we met, and um, then we just never stopped talking. And one day she said something, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "I need to ask you a question. Are you conservative?" And she's like. Yes. And I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I love you anyways. Um, <laughs> and we like both laughed or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it, so it was like one of those things where, you know, it's just, just to me, it was the further evidence that it doesn't freaking matter. You know what I mean? Like it, it matters when, um, it matters when you feel like people are violating other people's rights. Mm -hmm. But what I mean in this case is like, you can have differing opinions of differing things. And it, if you love that person and you love yourself, then it doesn't matter. Like I have my opinions, you have your opinions and your opinions just because they're different don't mean mine are wrong. And likewise, just because my opinions are different than yours doesn't mean yours are wrong. They're just different. And so it was a really it was a very neat experience for myself because I actually felt really proud because it's been such an emotionally charged several years or whatever. And, and it, and I don't feel like I, um, I don't feel like we can't talk about it either. Like, I don't feel the need to sit down and have a discussion about anything political. Cause in general, I try to avoid that because I can't, 
handle it. It's too, it's, it's overstimulating for me, but, um, but I also, I'm just like, this is just somebody that I just truly unabashedly adore. Like, so I don't feel like we have to like bash it out and like agree on every single topic. Like she has, she gets to have the right to her opinion on things. And so do I, and okay. You know what I mean? Like that's the way it is, but it was just a really interesting, like the way, just the way that I, I love that. I was like, it's okay. I love you. It's all right. We'll get through this. It's all right. You know, <laughs> she just starts laughing because <laughs> she knew all, I mean, she, know, she could tell I'm from Seattle. Like, come on, like you can't get bluer than Seattle, <laughs> but yeah, it was one of those things where, you know, you just realize that there can be such a difference in things and it doesn't mean anything about you. Mm-hmm. And there has to be this common ground place where we can come to eventually someday, hopefully on a grander scale where we can have neutral conversations where we learn things about each other. And this, I have um, another example growing up. My best friend was Mormon and I was raised like, like Christian. And so um, we've, she and I have always had a very open, um, relationship about talking about our faith. Um, I since have like gone through a different spiritual journey, but you know, I just, at that time, what I was raised in, we would talk about what we learned at church and stuff like that. And I would be like, wow, that's like so different than what, what we believe. Like, wow, really that like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of similar but not really. You know what I mean? Like we would just have these conversations and somebody um, chastised her like a, a, not, not an adult, but like a peer, I think we were in our early twenties and they were like, why would you tell Raya that? And she's like, why would I not? It's what I believe. Like I, I have nothing to hide. Like, that's what I believe. You know, they just were worried that I would judge because I don't necessarily believe that, but we need to have more discussions like that where, um, you know, you can believe things or have emotions or, you know, have experiences that don't impact the other person. Yeah. I'd love to bring this full circle with entrepreneurship and kind of even the title that you picked for this episode, because as a business owner, in some way you are going to be polarizing. Meaning if you go into this, trying to please everyone and to get everyone as your client, you're going to be so broad and so vague that no one's going to be able to identify with you. Yes. So even though I'm a general life coach and I coach all the humans, I'm not marketing to all the humans. I'm just showing up as myself and sharing what's relevant for me and what I find to be useful in terms of tools and concepts. And people who, as we say, resonate with that are going to be pulled into that. And people to whom that has no relevance or interest in their life are going to either say things about it or are going to leave. And where I see business owners get tripped up is when people say something about it. Mm. And then people think, oh, well, that means something about me. And so I need to address this or I need to change everything about my marketing or I need to appease this person. I need to get this person to like me again. And it's really, they get to have their opinion. That's totally fine. And I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Yes. 
Yeah. I, yes, absolutely. I think there's, I had a recent reflection on, um, I'm going on three years now. So the, the first year or so of business and I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and then there was some bumpy, good. Uh, yeah, there's <laughs> some bumpy interactions there. Um, and I was just thinking back and just thinking like, I'm so grateful that I had those experiences. And I'm so grateful that um, in the scheme of things that the people that I had those experiences with were um, not as douchey as they could have been. You know what I mean? Like the, I, I made mistakes. I mean, that's the bottom line, you know what I mean? And so they, it, it ended, you know, like it ended and I tried to, you know, keep it um, as amicable as possible and, um, and, tr- and I also tried hard not to internalize. I wasn't super successful at first, but at, with time, with growth, with reflection, looking back, I'm like, you know what? Holy cow. That was such a good lesson. Cause I know what I don't want. I don't want a client like that. And I don't want to do that thing because the reason why that happened was Number one, not my ideal client. And number two, I was doing a thing that I don't love. And I was doing it out of a scarcity lack mindset. And I was not being authentic. I was trying to earn money and it didn't turn out very well. And so it just pushed me back to like, okay, so where am I at? Like, what am I actually doing? Who am I doing it for? And that is, that's a really good place to be. And if you were my client, the next nudge from me would be having compassion for yourself rather than judgment for yourself for that mistake. Yes. Because especially in the moment. Um, oh, a hundred percent. That that's necessary. It has to happen. And so often we just want to grab onto the learning from the mistake. And we have to, in some ways, nurture ourselves through the discomfort of the mistake those are the people that really get resilience in business when they're able not only to feel the uncomfortable feelings of making a mistake, but to have compassion for themselves as a human, as they're going through that, those are the people that really go the distance in business. Because if you are judging yourself and chastising yourself for all of the learning you're accruing, it's just eating away at your internal strength the whole time. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be with, with some maturity, it can be easier to um, be compassionate looking back. But what you're saying, which I absolutely agree with is being, being able to jump to that compassion sooner is really where the resilience is going to kick in and just say like, okay, yes, I messed up. Great. Awesome. We get to learn something. Okay. Learning. This is uncomfortable. Okay. Got a lesson. All right you know what? You messed up, but you learned something. Good job. You know what I mean? Like walking yourself through that process. Yeah. The compassion is, is for your human self. Like, okay, you're experiencing really uncomfortable emotions. Totally okay to slow down for a little bit. Totally okay to feel like ass. Like that's fine. Um, to say this is hard, to say this is uncomfortable, to say this is painful. And I feel so much shame and embarrassment It's like, okay, yes, let's spend some time here. Like, let's nurture your body as it's going through these experiences. 
and not try to rush through it to the other side, not try to get to the the learning and the gems of wisdom, but to have compassion in the moment as you're going through the shit. Yes. Yes. And I love that. And that's something um, that I'll say to working with you that Danielle is really, really good at is slowing things down, slowing it down, like pausing you to be able to acknowledge what's actually happening. Um, and it's a very powerful emotion when you're like, wait, I don't even, I don't know how I feel right now. I'm feeling 18 things right now. Wait, you want me to feel two things? Hold on. Okay. Let me pick two, you know, like we, because we can tend to get so caught up in all of that, that we don't leave the room for the compassion and slowing it down and just, then just sitting in it because we are moving quickly because it's uncomfortable. Yep. We don't want to sit in it, but that's the part where we heal. That's the part where we get to move forward and be, be better and be healthier. And I I would just love for the audience to know that the reason why I have the skills that I do, like the reason why I'm good at helping others with this is because I do this for myself all the time. Like this was just last night for me that I was practicing what I preach. Um, I had a no-show on a client call. And as much as I wanted to not make it mean anything, my brain started down storyland, and I felt like crap. I was angry for most of the evening. And instead of trying to fix it, I just allowed myself to be like to feel all this restless energy. And come morning, I had fresh eyes. I did some coaching on it. I got perspective. Nothing has gone wrong. She emailed me the next day. You know, not a big deal. Um, But I think if I, there's, there's feeling emotion and then we pile on by judging ourselves for feeling the emotion. Yeah. Right. I could have easily been extra frustrated with myself last night for being angry you're like, why are you angry? This doesn't make any sense. You're overreacting. This is stupid. And that would have just piled on top, which is mm-hmm. totally unnecessary. But it's just being in it and saying, regardless of the reason, here's how I feel right now. And that's the plan for tonight. There you go. I love <laughs> it. I love it. Well, in the topic of why authenticity is so necessary for for entrepreneurs to be successful, what would you say is the number one takeaway for people? If they can only remember one thing from this conversation, what would you want them to really, really hone in on? I would love to remind every entrepreneur out there that they are also a human being and that as human beings, we have needs. And to be successful in life and in business, the more deeply you understand yourself and those needs and respond to them, the more successful you're going to be. Um, we Entrepreneurs as a species <laughs> push ourselves, by definition, we push ourselves harder than other people. Like that's kind of the class of people it takes to run a business, like the type of human that decides this is something fun to do (laughs) is someone who pushes themselves really hard. 
And so I would love to just remind everyone that you are also a human being and that everything that goes along with being a human being is valid. Yes. That it is not getting in the way of your business. It's actually the thing that's going to support your business in the long term if you pay attention to it. I love that. That's so good. And then the last question. What is the very best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Very best. I I see those words in all caps. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) like no pressure, just the very best of your whole life. That would be Or like a mantra or something you've read, just something you (laughs) carry with you that really resonates with you. It's a couple things. The first thing that comes to mind is you really do only get one life. It's true. And especially as like, I'm a fairly young person. um, I feel like you come to that realization when it's the right time for you. There's no sense beating 20-somethings about the head with it because they're not in a position to grasp it. Like, that's okay. But when you do really start to realize and have that sink in that you do only get one life, like, pay attention to that. Yeah. Don't don't shy away from it because it's scary. Um, Really pay attention to that. So good. And then the second one, which is like an actual quote, um from Glennon Doyle's book, which is, I don't have the exact quote, but something to the effect of if it comes down to disappointing others or disappointing yourself, like you have to stay true to yourself. Yes. Disappoint those other people, people, because the bottom line is you're left with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that one can be really fucking hard because yeah. some of those people that you're going to disappoint are very close to you. Yeah. So true. But, but it ties in with the, you have one life and you get to choose what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for this episode. I think it's really, it's, it's super, super important I'm grateful that we got to, we all got to learn about emotional sufficiency. We need to practice this everywhere. We need this workshop everywhere. And I just thank you for joining in um, with the podcast and for being with us today. I'm thrilled. And that workshop will be everywhere coming soon. I love it. I love it. Well, for anyone wanting to connect with Danielle, we are going to be putting all of her contact information in the show notes. So please hit her up on Facebook or on her website. Um, If you're interested in working with her or just finding out about what's new and upcoming, definitely follow her on Facebook. Her lives are gems. They are awesome. I always get lots of valuable content from there. And um, thank you, audience, for being with us for another episode of the Client Experience Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Raya Gonzalez, and we will see you next time. You know what I love? It means so much to me that you took the time to listen to this episode. If you did enjoy this episode or any of our other episodes, and you'd like to help support the Client Experience Revolution podcast, please share it with others. 
post about it on your social media, or even leave a rating and review. And if you want to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at link.consulting. That's L-I-N-Q dot consulting on Twitter at link consulting and even better find us on YouTube. The channel is Raya Gonzalez and you can see all of our podcast episodes in video format. If you're just curious to see what our guests look like, we appreciate you so much. And that's why we're excited to see you next time.